Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd, as always. And on this episode, I will be joined by author and filmmaker Janine Pipe, and we will be looking at terrifier 2 so without further ado let's check out the trailer so did you figure out what you're dressing up as tomorrow he wants to dress up as a real guy who murdered nine people last year oh you're not doing that that's just a costume you think that guy's still out there what's up with you and this clown all of a sudden you're like obsessed they never found his body what if he decides to come back here I wouldn't worry about it. Wait a minute, aren't you that guy from the costume shop? Sir, what are you doing? It wasn't me. He was covered in blood on his shirt and his hands when he got here. I'm telling you it was him, Ellie. Right down to the little black dot on the tip of his nose. You're really weird, you know that? (laughs) I believe him. About what? Something really bad's gonna happen tonight. No, I I know when Jonathan's lying, okay? I, I could hear it in his voice. Something's, something's wrong. Look, we're gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. Stress-free environment. Yep. Speaking of surprises, kids, we have a very special guest with us today. All the way from Miles County. Please welcome Art the Clown. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined, making her debut on the Undead Wookiee, the one, the only writer, director, producer, and just all around a wonderful person. Ladies and gentlemen, stamp your feet, jangle your jewellery, and give it up for the one and only Janine Pipe. Hello, how are we doing? <laughs> well, I like that introduction. I might have that like wherever I go now, like on billboards and things. <laughs> I am very well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, really excited to talk to you because, you know, you've got so many exciting projects on the go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you've got one of the most sort of active Twitter feeds of anybody out there. At the it's, it's great because it's always like checking in. You've got some great stuff going on there. <laughs> yes, I do. And I actually learned a lesson um, when I was um, just about to release sausages regarding Twitter, because in my mind, I was constantly bombarding people with the same stuff over and over. And you try and get that balance between needing to do self-promotion because you need you're, you're basically doing your own advertising and not wanting to bore the shit out of people. So they stop following you or meet you and all of that. 
and um, so I'd been talking about it for about six months kind of thing and then when I actually came to release it I did a post and somebody who I followed and who followed me so not just a random person someone who we actively had interacted said I didn't know you were writing a book about dog soldiers and it just goes to show that sometimes it was all to do with like you know the algorithms and if you're posting on UK time and then they're in the US and they're just waking up and scrolling through their feed and they don't you don't so sometimes you don't always uh, and especially now that Twitter's fucked anyway, you know, yeah. it's, that, it's that kind of thing. So uh, generally, I'm still constantly, constantly, constantly updating. But I don't feel so bad now that I'm just bombarding people with it because sometimes people don't even see it. No. And it's strange because I've there's been people that I've interacted with for years on Twitter and they've gone. Are you still posting? Are you still? Do-? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah, still going. <laughs> yeah. I don't see anything you're doing. Yep, don't exactly. see it so so now you mentioned so um soldiers sausages yeah. now i am much it is on my reading list but my reading list is <laughs> yay high and wobbling towards me at the moment as we speak <laughs> um so how did that come about how did how did it because you know you tell before i butcher your book and give any kind of how did that come about <laughs> so how it started was dog soldiers has been my favorite film for as long as i can remember anyway and when i first kind of like actively joined the horror community specifically twitter and whatnot and started doing podcasts and things somehow i would almost always bring up dog soldiers you know when people were doing like top 10 mm. films or anything like that um, and it became a kind of running joke with people that if I was on a podcast, it didn't matter what the subject was. Somewhere along the line, I would bring up dog soldiers. And I really wanted to do something um, officially about it. So I ended up it was just it was serendipity, really, with the timing, because I'd realised this was back in October 2021. I realised that we were coming up to the 20 year anniversary in 2022. Mm. So I pitched an idea to Fangoria and said I would love to write a celebratory piece on the for the 20 year anniversary because there was a um, a wonderful piece written about it obviously 20 years ago I mean it'd be really nice to be able to follow that up and do something and Philip Fangoria is amazing anyway he was like I love the idea but let's make sure that we get some really nice photographs and that you can talk to Neil and some of the guys so it won't just be why Janine Pipe loves dog soldiers let's have you know uh, a little bit from Neil and Sean and whatnot as well if you can get that then it's a go so then all of a sudden I'm like I could be writing this amazing piece but now I've got to speak to Neil Marshall now Neil is like an idol for me he is like literally sort of like god in so many ways and I was like I've got to talk to Neil Marshall that's what <laughs> how do I talk to you just you can't just pick up a phone and say oh hi Neil Marshall you know how so I managed to get hold of his agent and spoke and, and he was really up for it which was lovely anyway and he managed to put me in touch with um Sean and Kev McKidd and Darren Moffat and um basically we wrote this really really nice piece for Fangoria but also when you're writing a piece like that, you're limited, obviously, to so it was only 2000 words. And it was obvious mm. just from those very short communications that I had with those guys that there was so much more that could be told. So I actually said to Neil, this was probably around about December 2021. 
um, I pitched the idea of writing a biography about him. I said it'd be really interesting for me as a huge fan of dog soldiers, but all of your work, you know, your entire body of work, it'd be really interesting yeah. for me to um, be able to talk to you about all of this. And we could go a little bit more in depth into all the films. And because Neil's a cheeky bugger, he said, oh, that sounds really <laughs> nice. You know, every anyone would be flattered. He said, but I've just read, um, you've got read on you, the Shaun of the Dead um, making. Mm of yeah. that Clark Collis wrote and he said and when I was looking at that I thought wouldn't it be nice if somebody could do something like that for me for dog soldiers so let's do the biography at some point but how would you like to write a making of on dog soldiers and I think you know like my jaw kind of like hit the floor <laughs> <laughs> me write a book on my what? favorite film with my favorite director yes please <laughs> and just completely and I think because I went into it with two things one obviously with Neil's blessing so he mm. could get me all of these contacts and be like oh you know so and so can you speak to Janine she wants to interview for such and such but also we very much went into it that again I wanted it to be a celebration of the film yeah. I, I was very clear that I wasn't a journalist I wasn't looking for any dirt I didn't want any behind the scenes stories of where they were all arguing and someone almost walked off the set I didn't want I don't think there was any of that but yeah. I didn't want to know any of that I just wanted wanted some fun stuff I wanted some you know you know to hear about the camaraderie on set and all of that and as soon as people know obviously people like like Kevin McKidd he's like very famous now because he does Grey's Anatomy and all that kind of stuff yes and they're obviously quite guarded but as soon as they know that you don't want any of the shit on them you just want to have a chat with them and, and reminisce and whatnot they were so open to talking about it and yeah. they thoroughly enjoyed it as well. They all said to me it was a step down memories lane and they were like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so for years. Please say hi to him for me and all this kind of stuff. And it was just wonderful. You know, sometimes I'd be typing away at like nearly midnight. And my husband would be like, do you think you better come to bed now? And I'd be like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe the time has flown because I was enjoying working on it so much. Yeah, it was just amazing that's wonderful that's almost like the per it's the perfect storm isn't it yes. it is the absolute perfect storm and what a fantastic film yes what a fantastic <laughs> film to talk about i was really lucky i got to see dog soldiers by chance in the cinema oh. and it was just by pure accident mm. and i managed to talk a group of my friends to go i think they wanted to go and see some other shit quite frankly there yeah. was something very very and i was just like Oh, well, that's a shame that we can't. But this is showing. Yeah. And it was just it was mind blowing. It was it was wonderful to see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, strangely enough, we haven't actually covered it on this show. So I'm sure at some point you may be getting another message out of the blue. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I, we, we may be able to twist your arm to come back, depending on how this one goes. Yeah, says. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, as well as that, you've also taken the plunge into directing, writing and directing yourself. Yes. How are you finding that? Oh, I absolutely love it. Because um, I've been writing, um, writing prose and short stories and whatnot for, for quite a while. Um, but the film side of things, although I've always enjoyed cinema and I've mm. always been interested in, you know, like when you get a DVD, you watch the film, you love it. Then you stick on the behind the scenes stuff or you listen yeah. to the director's commentary. And I've got several um one of my favorite behind the scenes book is uh, a terminator 2 one that i got when i was a teenager that's like mm. almost like falling apart it's been thumbed through so many times 
but I never ever considered doing it myself not that I didn't have the interest in it it just never seemed to be something you know I don't know anybody that works in film whatsoever so there was never kind of that oh can you come down and help me on set with something there's just never the opportunity but then when I was writing Sausages and obviously getting more and more in depth about different bits and pieces and whatnot and had a very long conversation with Sam McCurdy who was the DOP Mm. who didn't mind me asking these ridiculous questions like what on earth does a DOP even do you know for someone who completely that's that that is not a silly (laughs) question at all many a famous director has probably asked that question (laughs) I'm joking I am kidding all DOPs work incredibly hard and actually going in and finding out with the nitty gritty and like all of a sudden he was telling me about camera angles and all of this kind of stuff and this that you can do and the lighting but then all these sort of things and rather than kind of like bamboozle me with it I was like this is really interesting I'm actually really interested in this and there's only so much you can do from listening to I absolutely love uh, the movie crypt with um, Adam Green and Joe Lynch I listen to that religiously they go very in depth with films and directors and things so I've been listening to lots of you know bits and pieces but there's only so much you can learn or experience from listening to things I needed to do something yeah and I, what the first thing that I needed to do was do something extremely low budget and extremely low key because if I did it and I absolutely hated it or I was absolutely shit at it because you know you, you just never know I didn't want to have like blown thousands of pounds of probably somebody else's money to be really really awful at what I did so so the first thing that I did was got um, I'd made some different friends who actually were filmmakers again via Twitter. Mm. Um, Sam Mason Bell of Trash Arts um, was, was my DOP, and then we got some actors in and different bits and pieces. And um, I just felt that was her, which I just filmed literally in my lounge because again I like things like, like with childcare and whatnot because I've got a daughter and we just had a puppy at the time and there was all these different <laughs> like bits and pieces which meant that actually doing it in the house made it far easier obviously yeah. ex- but less expensive and all this kind of stuff so we just brought up the camera we got the lights we did everything we did everything properly so I even I shot list it I storyboarded yeah. it we did I had um my friend Becca was my assistant director so you know she was like right okay we're doing this scene now we did everything properly but just very very low-key and I absolutely loved it I learned a lot of lessons from it yeah um surprisingly to me even though we had a day and it's ended up being about just over five minutes uh, that wasn't long enough and I and I don't think unless you've ever actually done that that sounds ludicrous to anybody who doesn't know what filmmaking entails but yeah that so we had a whole day and we we didn't really get the coverage that we needed to so again that's another massive thing that I've learned in yeah, preparation yeah. for footsteps we're going to have hopefully four days to be able to shoot that it is in, it is until anybody who has ever directed it is equally I mean, I'm a bit of fluffy darling and spent a lot of time in the theatre, those kind of things. And I've always been surrounded by lots of, you know, lots of very, very creative, lots of, you know, essentially lots of lovies. Um, And my wife is an incredible director herself, incredible theatre director and drama teacher and just just a 
just a, and she's she's been my DP pretty much for everything, with the That's with the me. exception that we did for um for the short version of School Hall. Um, she she there was a few things and she just, just physically we couldn't get get her up, but but she's been my DP for everything else, which is great because we because yes. we communicate on, on quite a short and also it's handy to have that person there going. No, this is the best way to do it. Yes. You know, and and when you work with a really good DP as well, yeah. they will say, no, maybe you need to do this. Yes. But nobody <laughs> knows the absolute abject terror of sitting there just before you start rolling, yeah. and everybody goes, "What are we doing?" Yep. <laughs> oh, it's me. I oh. have to tell you. Oh shit. Me. <laughs> yeah. It's me. Shit. Yeah. And like. I somebody else did, like after we did the because everything else that I've done has been like I mean my last one um I run um I made sure I specifically set myself the challenge of less than 50 quid for my budget wow that 50 quid that was it uh and everybody did it for nothing um Emma who was our lead um I mean she's she was in Vandals for the BBC she's in uh she was in Scorophobia that's just finishing up being made. She's fan- she's a fantastic actress, just brilliant, really, really good. And um I my luckily I have lots of friends who are professional actors and they came and did it for nothing. Um and it's just, you know, we thought, oh, you know, what could be easier than, you know, sword and sandals for less than fifty quid? Why not? Yeah. You know, we shot on the side of a mountain. But when there was a whenever there's a bit more money in play. And you sit there and you kind of realize, essentially, it's like burning 20 pound notes every time the camera isn't rolling. Yes. <laughs> and I remember us filming for the school hall and we were lighting this this one scene. Really, really simple. Not No gore effects. No makeup. Very, very simple conversation. Overshot. But because we were shooting inside a, a reception area, the light kept moving. Right. So we'd light it. By the time we were just ready to go, the sun would have moved. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. And so we would. So, so it got to the point where we sent um, one of the uh, makeup effects artists brought they had their kids with them, and he was like, "Right, here's a tenner. Go buy as much tin foil as you can possibly get your hands on." And yep. we just blacked <laughs> out all of their. Um, Brilliant. All yeah. of the reception area and the sun still got in at certain points, but it was just like, right, just get it done. We've got to do it. Yes. We've got to do it. So <laughs> nobody knows the abject terror and exhilaration until they've done it. And exactly. um, yeah. I'm really, really excited because her from all the stuff that you've posted online looks really exciting. So um, that looks fabulous. And you've started your next one. Yes. <laughs> well, we're in obviously in pre-production because we're running the Indiegogo for that at the moment. Yes. Uh, Footsteps. That's our next one. Um, one of my favourite short stories, because at the moment I'm um, just busy going through again, having been a writer for many years, I've got mm. a lovely stockpile of short stories and whatnot which I own the IP for and all of that stuff. So there's no kind of like worry about any of that. So I'm just busy adapting a lot of the stories into scripts and things like that, which again, I'm really enjoying. And it's kind of teaching me a little bit um, about story writing as well, obviously because the script is so um, much, you know, just a skeleton really of your story. And you kind of realize that actually you don't need all of the bits in the short story. There's a lot of padding in there sometimes. It's almost teaching me to be a better writer getting all those pertinent parts down um and I know some people detest 
turning their own stuff into scripts, which is why obviously you have, you have like novel writers and then separate yeah. screenwriters for yeah. things. But yeah. I actually quite like the control, but especially then being the director as well when you're working through it you're almost shot listing at the same time so you're oh, kind of like doing so many different things with just one you know you're already going oh I know exactly how I'm going to shoot that and all those kind of things but I've had to be very um sort of realistic with it as well so we've got kind of like there's a couple of shots um which I would love if if we make enough money through the Indiegogo to have drone shots and things so like they will be like the ideal shots but then we'll know that we can if we can't afford a drone or something like that then there are other things that we can do instead because you know you've got to realize that when you're writing this short script and you're raising money through crowdfunding that you haven't got a Hollywood studio budget so that actually you can't do all of that yeah (laughs) that's where the creativity comes in and whatnot you know there's almost nothing that you can't do you just have to do it in a different way and there's lots of smoke and mirrors involved and all that kind of stuff and it kind of kind of brings us nicely around to the film that we're going to be talking about because actually when things when you don't robert rodriguez actually talks about it in his um in one of his sort of uh, masterclasses on filmmaking he says when you don't have the money hose to be able to get up and just just sort of wash away you try just throw money at it he said when he was making el mariachi he purposefully did not spend so he had to do something practical and had to work things out yeah um you know and there are ways and means and it but what it gives i think sometimes what it gives um gives film gives it a real feel yes it's almost tangible Yes, you can you can reach it and you can like touch it. Yeah, you know you you can feel it and it, and it sort of comes across. And it's probably why, in some ways, I love Italian horror from the seventies and eighties. Why I love sort of you know uh, why I love Fulci so much. Why you know or Bava or you know Lenzi and all those guys. Even Carpenter, you know, all the great you know those great practical effects. You can reach and you can touch it. Or you think, oh, well, we know how they did that because essentially that's a hose pipe on the back of somebody's head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think coming nicely to sort of we're going to our main oh, what we're talking about this evening uh, is Terrifier 2. Yes. Is that wonderful adherence to the practical effect? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. when you think about what Damien did with what money he had. It's just phenomenal when you watch those scenes. It is just incredible. And uh, I know it's it's very much one of those, you know, polarising films where people either love it or hate it. But I think even the people that kind of it's not quite their cup of tea, a lot of them even, you know, have respect for Damien and the crew because of what they achieved with it. And I, 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 I would find it really hard to find someone that didn't, say that you know whether they like extreme horror whether they like gore and shocks and whatnot what he's done is incredible and I think that you know he should be absolutely commended for that it's amazing absolutely so that brings us so like so that brings us nicely we actually segued segued into something my <laughs> god first for everything on the undead wookie um so we of course our main review today is we are talking terrifier 2 from 2002 and this, of course, is the direct sequel to the equally wonderful Terrifier, yes. um, directed, of course, by um, Damien Leone. It stars uh, Lauren Lavera, um, Elliot Fulham, uh, Sarah Voigt, 
uh, Emily McLean, uh, Chris Jericho yeah. popped up. <laughs> Pops up in this one, uh, of course, from, well, now AEW and WWE fame. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised when he popped up. Yeah. Um, because he's actually not bad. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. He, he loves pre- horror as well. He absolutely yes. loves it. So, yeah. Um, you know, and of course, he's, you know, he's the, he's the lead man of his band, Fozzy. Yeah. Um, Judas is a great track, by the way. David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown is, you know, is back again. And I'm sure we'll get it to him in a little bit. And then uh, now I always butcher people's second names. So, again, forgive me for this. Samantha Scafidi. That's how I would say it. Yeah. Scafidi uh, reprises her role. And I also get some really great little cameos in this as well. You get Felisa Rose pops up. um, Tamara Glynn pops up. Um, and a few others. So it's got a really, really good cast, superb yeah. cast. Now, before we dive right into the, you know, into the sort of the story and things, um, I think it's fair to say you're a fan of uh, Damien Leone's work. Yes, very much so. Yep. So where did you first come across him? I wish I could say it was like years and years ago and that I've been following his career avidly, but it was only um, last September, which I, when I finally, um, realize exactly who he was and what he does mainly because i am terrified of clowns i absolutely yeah. detest them cannot stand okay them. um and i can vividly remember um when it was when terrifier was on netflix the little icon would occasionally mm. pop up and my husband would say to me oh can we watch this knowing that i hate them and i'd be like no no fucking way am i watching that and it used to come up with uh terrifier or terrified which is the spanish one which yeah. is also scary as shit and i remember watching that as well and being like because i am i'm such a <laughs> such a weird horror fan i absolutely love horror but i'm also absolutely terrified of so many things and i don't like spooky things or anything like that. but anyway um, so for a very long time, I knew what Terrifier was. I had seen that picture of Art the Clown and I wasn't touching it of a barge pole. Then <laughs> coming back to uh, the movie Crypt again, I just so happened to be listening to an episode of the movie Crypt and it was with Damien Looney because it was about Terrifier too. And as I was listening to him talk, I was thinking to myself, wow, this guy sounds really, really interesting. And he has this really interesting background of, you know, growing up and watching um, the 80s horror very, very young. But instead of being scared of it, finding a real interest in it with the practical effects and like his hero being Tom Savini and all this kind of stuff. And then this really kind of almost like heartwarming tale of the fact that he couldn't go to film school but his mum gave him some money so that he could practice making the effects at home and she would you know walk into the bathroom and there'd just be blood everywhere and he'd be like it's all right mum just practicing another gag kind of thing (laughs) and all of this sort of stuff so you know I just had this real respect for him that he was completely self-taught by watching these videos over and over and you know rather than having millions of dollars to go off and make stuff he just like did what he could and then you Used those practical lessons that he had learned and taught himself to actually go out and do something um and it coincided with the fact that I was going to a convention for the love of horror um up in Manchester I was going with Neil and Sean Patwee and whatnot as part of Dog Soldiers and Damien was there with David 
and I really wanted to be able to go and talk to them and to be able to say you know something about the film but I still wasn't quite brave enough to watch it <laughs> so when I actually met Damien I was like hi I'm a really big fan insofar as I'm a really big fan of you and you, what you have done but I haven't actually been you know I, I'm always honest there's no point bullshitting people because they will find out and they won't appreciate it so I said but I haven't actually watched the film yet because I'm too frightened. And David was there, obviously, as David, not as Art the Clown. And he yeah. is the nicest. Well, Damien's lovely as well, but they're both so lovely. And over the weekend, we had a few conversations and I was like, right, that's it. I now can imagine David rather than just seeing him as Art. Yeah. So I'm going to watch it. And I absolutely loved it. So watch, obviously, Terrifier first. And it was, yes, he is creepy, exactly as you want him to be. But he's also funny. And just the film was brilliant. And then it coincided with um, that Terrifier 2 was just being released on DVD here. So we got that straight away and watched it. And again, just like my jaw was on the floor of just how good it was and how amazing the effects were. And I loved the story. And there were certain parts where my husband and I would just look at each other and just burst out laughing because it is funny. There's certain bits of it It which are really funny. It is. And I think sometimes people have kind of overlooked the dark humor in this one because there you know everybody kind of focuses on people were being sick people were passing out and (laughs) yeah people probably were but you know lots of that is it's very interesting you know when you think about sort of particularly film criticism within the uk um and particularly mainstream film criticism um in the uk and i think unless it is you know somebody with a giant parrot or pigeon stuck on their arm crying into a kitchen sink in a flat in grimsby or something we tend to be a bit sniffy (laughs) about horror um but actually this is a really bloody funny film it is yeah it's very funny and there's all no matter and i mean this does get extreme Mm. it does get extreme at times but unlike, say, something like um, Eden Park, mm. where that gets extreme mm. and there is a there's a gritty realness, the extreme there's a wink and a smile and a nudge to the to the audience. Yes. And that does kind of I wouldn't say it softens the blow, but it it does allow you to relax into it. Yes. A little bit. There are, you know, there are moments in this where you are going, oh, my God. You know, it's like the first time in the in in the first. I remember sitting there watching the first one and seeing um, oh the character's name. Forget where she's upside down. Dawn. Yeah. Dawn for the where she is upside down for the first. I remember watching that and thinking, holy fucking shit, because I knew kind of knew what was coming. Yeah. Before it. and, And then you then you see it. Yeah. You know, because it is. But at the same time, this is a it is a really clever film. Yes. And some of that is down to David Thornton's portrayal of Art the Clown. Yes. You know, the the, I don't know. We're going to jump around all over the place, people. So, you know, and if by the way, just so you know, there may be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, (laughs) press pause, go listen to it, come back. Or (laughs) if you're listening, tough shit, you're in now. Um the way where art has has been resurrected mm. and he needs to wash his clothes yeah and he sat there absolutely stark naked <laughs> i 
apart from the boots. <laughs> apart from the boots. Well, it goes health and safety. You don't want to slip. Um, you know, where he sat there, Starkers, and, yeah. you know, the little girl appears for the first of yes. the pale first girl. Um, um, and, and I think she's absolutely wonderful in this. Yes, she is. Yeah. She's, and just terrifying. Yes. Really terrifying. <clears throat> and that moment where they, you know, what I liked about that, actually, and it does show the subtlety in terms of his performance, because obviously this one takes a bit of a turn, doesn't it? More towards mm. the supernatural. Yeah. But he actually appears afraid of her. Mm. The first yeah. time there is that little glint and then he starts pointing at the bullet hole in his head and then they start playing patty cake. Yes. Together. Yeah, and it's yeah. uh, and it's just sort of like it, it just. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's such it's such a good physical. Yes. Actor. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And apparently he um he spent a lot of time on tour playing the Grinch. And I yeah. think you can see all of that. that that's what his background is in physical theatre and comedy mm. theatre and whatnot. And um, oh, yeah, he lends himself to it perfectly. But it never detracts from the fact that he's a fucking psycho at the same time, which just yeah. makes it perfect. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and there is that sort of I can't look, but I must. Yes, I can't look. I'm still go- I'm still here. If there is, you know, and it, it is a fantastic performance. It is it is wonderfully done. So how would you summarize the plot to the Terrifier 2? Terrifier 2. OK, so um, we have uh, a brother and sister and um, Sienna and Jonathan and Sienna is going to a Halloween party and she has made this beautiful like Xena warrior princess outfit kind of thing and she's got this special sword which her dad gave her many years ago and all we know about dad really is that he uh, appears to have had some kind of mental health issues and has passed away but we don't really know much more and Jonathan wants to go out for Halloween as Art the Clown because he's become obsessed with it it's like a year later and he's reading all the stories and whatnot um and sienna starts seeing art the clown um he appears in um a costume shop that she has to go to because there's this huge fire in her dreams where we get the amazing clown cafe yes (laughs) Um, i wonder what the food hygiene rating is there yes i don't think it's very good i wouldn't be going there myself no no run a mile Um, and within the fire in the dream, she wakes up and her, her whole room is really on fire. Mainly the only thing that has survived is this sword. So we're starting to think about whether there could be something to do with the sword. Um, anyway, she ends up going to the party with her friends and um, Jonathan has a huge argument with his mum about um, a book that the dad had been um, filling in, like um, a scrapbook with all these pictures. And we've got ended up being pictures in there of Sienna's outfit of Art the Clown and of previous victims and all of this kind of stuff, including we see a newspaper clipping of the pale girl. And that it turns out that she had been murdered at this fun house. So we've got all these little bits, uh, you know, sort of like expositions and clues and things that are coming together. Um, and Art the Clown um, goes to one of her friend's house. And that's where we get the bedroom scene, which is Damien's. Um, he had to up the ante on the kill of the first one, which is obviously Dawn being cut in half yes. upside down like Bonehawk, Tomahawk. Um, and... Yeah. 
<laughs> so yes. yeah, how, how are you going to um how are you going to um up someone being hacksawed down the middle? Well, you're going to make it the longest death scene in history. <laughs> it is never ending. <laughs> it is never ending, and um apparently they were able to do that specifically because of covid so whereas so many of us were affected by lockdown um like in a negative way or or just on hold for all of lockdown damien and phil falcone his um producer were able to actually take their time and make these amazing gags and uh, models and everything to be able to do that and she gets like her, i mean even the first thing that happens is the poor um ali isn't it gets her yes. put, like the knife straight down the face and straight for her eye and i mean that was enough to make you kind of like that's good harkens back to your italian horror with the oh, love of getting I mean, yeah. eyes and even like um it, it kind of like remind obviously there's definitely a touch of fulci in there with yes. the, you know for, for, uh, you know and he loves a good eye gouge yes um but it almost reminded me of um, Salvador Dali's film where they had the razor blade in the eye and you just think, oh, oh my God. Oh, right. Yep. OK. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, she gets her eye cut in half. Yep. She gets scalped. Yep. And then you think, oh, well, you you know, then he starts peeling the skin off her. Yeah. Her arm's broken. Yeah. Yep. Her arm is broken. One stripped um, off at the elbow. So she's yes. got one. Yep. That's it. And it's then the other one split down the, split down yep. the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and you know basically a skull you can see that which is a brilliant gag oh, i mean yeah. physically you know these are not this isn't cgi this is a practical gag yeah and again like i said but you can feel it yeah you can feel everything and you just think oh, she's gotta be she's she's gotta be dead she's gotta be dead by now and then the most terrific part is he isn't finished with her uh-huh it just keeps going yeah and go and he just think, oh, it's got to be and it keeps going yeah <laughs> is... and, and again it's that it's, it's the humor side of it as well so when he comes in with like the salt and the bleach and oh. he's kind of, like smiling and like a weeble as he like wobbles yeah. into like do, 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 like seasoning his dinner or something and it's <laughs> you just know because if you've got a paper cut and then you eat a bag of salt and vinegar crisps it's fucking oh. acne so you just know how much that hurts and then you still think she must have shriveled up and just died on the floor but no we get the final scene of just this horrific corpse on the bed when the mum comes in and then she just jerks because she's just still alive yes. and she's like chopping up a leg like a leg of lamb yeah <laughs> it's just brilliant i love it and i mean her performance Oh. Um, you know, uh, it's Casey Hartnett, isn't it? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Her performance yeah. in that scene is one. Now, I've spoken to enough actresses, um, and you know, my good friend Derek has been killed on screen more times than anyone I've ever known. Um, I think he's up, he's got to be up in like the hundreds of times he's been killed on screen by now. Nice. It's not easy to do. No. Yeah. It is not easy to do, and it's not easy to direct. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, scream more. Yep. Lie like this. Do you know? And <laughs> yeah. obviously, you can't sort of like direct somebody in that moment. You you are relying on, and particularly when you're relying on practical effects. Yeah. And having learned the hard way, one harsh lesson, 
you know, I remember saying to one particular actress, we've got one shot at this. That's what we've got. One shot. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked it up. Right. Okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll work something out. And then you're back to square one again. But that scene is just, uh, I mean, it shows one, what talent he has. Yes. In terms of, uh, as a director. Um, as a visual effects artist yeah. and as somebody who understands understands his craft. Yes. He understands his craft. Yeah. Um, and that in itself, I mean, obviously, the, you know, this film, it was a bit tug-in-cheek, the Oscar campaign. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But actually, yeah, there is a bit of tongue in cheek in there. But actually, when we talk about craft, mm. when we talk about somebody doing that job and doing an excellent job, mm-hmm. that is something, you know, th- this is something that should be, you know, remembered and yep. it should have, it should be recognized. Definitely. Yeah. You know, um, I think somebody always says about like comedy and horror always ends up sitting at the children's table. Yes. Very it, much so, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm quite happy with it being sat at the children's table. I'd quite happily sit, you know, because that's where the most interesting conversations happen. <laughs> yeah. But equally, mm. it needs to be respected. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, and I think, and I think, Begrudgingly, I think the critics managed to come round to that. There's, I remember it coming out, and I've, and I've written it down actually. Um, it was Sammy Jack uh, Sailor from the Guardian. Right. In his review, his 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 opening, the title was, uh, and it led with the title of "Vomit-inducing killer clown uh, displays the art of butchery." Nice. I like that. <laughs> And his, you know, I, I think it's out of five, he gave it a three star review. And this is coming from The Guardian. Yeah. So, again, holy shit. Yeah. Fair play, you know, yep. there, there is that respect. Yeah. But actually, even though it's a bit of a backhanded com- compliment, mm. it really is the art of butchery. It is. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, it, it really is. And, yeah, I, you know, it, it is a fantastic, fantastic scene. Yeah. Fantastic scene. And I mean, the film sort of you know it does it doesn't kind of end there no nope. there are you know various other sort of my my action my, my i think my favorite effect in the whole film is the shotgun blast to the head yep um and again not to savini for yep. yes, um, yeah. um yeah. because obviously you know because it is not i mean that for most of us who you know who are eye rolling again while we talk about this 1980s maniac yeah. um tom savini's um <laughs> yes. in the awesome bill lustig's maniac yeah um that, that that shock and blast yes i think this is up there yes with it definitely yeah i would say so yeah and the setup for this gag is brilliant yes with the you know again the tweak on the halloween yes the shaving foam all over the screen yeah, it disappears. There he is. Yeah, it's brilliant. It it's just brilliant. The like the little like Easter eggs and homages and stuff that are dropped in there. Again, it's just it shows his like uh, you know 
what he learned he's he's respectful of those movies and he is showing his respect and admiration for them by using you know like the stuff that he's learned about in there and he did say that that is a specific tribute to Savini as well that particular gag and like you said it's it's one of the best it comes off perfectly it's executed perfectly and I think it shows not only is he a brilliant writer not only is he a brilliant director, not only is he a brilliant special effects artist, but he's also a brilliant editor because he knows. Yes. Right, that's it. We're done. He, he he because he's editing it as well. He knows exactly what to get and how to slot it all together. You know, it's just it's wonderful. And it's amazing to think that everything is in it. You know, and you know, it's in his head. You know, and you know, and and most filmmakers will talk about the the the, the film is in is in is in their head, yeah. And it is almost playing as it's going, as you're going along, as you're filming, you're you're shooting, you're cutting, as you're going, and that scene just plays out perfectly. Yes. <laughs> perfectly, it is a great one-two punch. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. yeah or one two blast yeah or, <laughs> yeah. or something like that That's do you have it. a specific moment in this a specific effect moment in this that you just think yeah that's just that's just perfect i think one of the and it isn't even a kill moment um but sienna being in the um water thing so yeah. like the houdini type um homage, yeah. basically yeah. there um not only again because it's very obviously you know um lauren doing that which is just an amazing feat and the fact that they built again damien and phil built that themselves just in like his back garden or something crazy Um, imagine being those neighbors yeah (laughs) yeah Hmm, do we call the police now or later um but i'm also added to all of my other um, hundreds of millions of fears um the fear of drowning for me is very very real it's one of my big things so seeing her in there i was like hyperventilating at the same time kind of thing and i just thought it was just brilliant again just with the amount of money that they had to have built that but again just that and it was very much they looked at um uh, at ones that they could buy and they couldn't afford them so yeah. they made it themselves and it's just like that's outstanding you know it's just like such respect to be able to do that but it is it's not getting the money hose out isn't it it's just thinking how can we how can we work around that what's the work around yes and equally i think the payoff is bigger yeah definitely you know when you create that moment yeah um there's something special about it and it's beautifully lit it is yes it's it's just a wonderful and you can just when lauren finally came out you can just imagine all the high fives going around and how proud they were of that moment you absolutely know, it's brilliant yeah it is it really is her performance in this is is fantastic yes is you know i mean she's you know she's a trained martial artist and stunt woman herself Yes. So physically, she was very, very, very much up for the, you know, up to up to doing the, because it is very physical. It's a grueling role, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, she's, I mean, she first popped up. She was um in um 
split with and she was Anna Taylor Joy's stunt double. Oh, okay. In Split, and she also plays Casey Cook in it. Um, and you know, one of the things I love just before she did the Terrifier, Terrifier two, she was in A Taste for Christmas, which I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't Lesser. seen it. Yeah. It's one of those great hallmark. Yeah. Christmas movies. Yeah. You know, oh, she's just a busy exec and now she's got to go back to a small town yeah. where she actually murdered 12 people and got away with it. But will they fall in love? <laughs> you know, there's that. kind. Of... So yes. she's, you know, she's a very versatile actress. Um, oh, yeah. She popped up in Iron Fist. Okay. Um, uh, Marvel's Iron Fist. Um, not a great series, but hey, moving swiftly along. Yeah. <laughs> but physically, she is very, very much front and center in this yes um and her performance i you know a lot rides on her performance in this mm-hmm. yeah um in the same way sort of um samantha scafidi in the first one yeah um, doesn't quite end as well for samantha no. <laughs> in the first one <laughs> yeah. um yeah and i love that she came back yes in this one that is and i think that might one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because again the the makeup effects on that yeah are just it's just phenomenal work do you know the little story about that with what it should have been so that's not the original idea oh come on then shoot lay it on us um so originally and i believe they had actually shot it as well but it was going to be that art's head was growing out of the back of her head rather than her giving birth to him but malignant had come out and obviously that's Ah. the big reveal in malignant and so they were a bit like oh no we don't you know james one is amazing we don't want to you know piss him off in any kind of way so he holds a bit of clout (laughs) yeah exactly that let's um let's try something else and actually although the head thing would have been cool i think the whole giving birth to the head oh yes it's so much more revolting and disgusting and more fitting with it yeah, and I think it does sit nicely, nice. And of course, we're talking about the mid-credit sequence here. Yes. Um, and of course, it is. It, make sure that you keep watching. Don't just turn it off once the once the credits start rolling. <laughs> um, but I love the fact that she has gone completely bonkers. Yes. And she does this the, that um the news interview that the, you sort of saw in the in the first one. They bring it back and you get a bit more. And the fact that she attacks the news reader as well, and she's gone completely mental. Yes. Um. What I love about there's a clear it's not like where you get some sequels where it feels completely different mm. to the second one. There's very much a universe. There's a very much a world yeah. that these characters inhabit. Um, and you can almost sort of, you know, when you talk about sort of um, shared universes and. And particularly where you go, we talk like bang on about this all the time to all my students as well. Is when you talk about like maison scene and and sort of you you look at the you look at the lighting, you look at the props, you look at the position, you know where you are with this. When you know you are in the world of the terrifier, yes, you know you, you it feels like that. But also, I think you can. I think it's fair to describe um, Damien Leon as a as an auteur. 
yes. in that you know in the in the truest sense of the term auteur because people bang around throw that about yeah left right and center but i you know when you are watching one of his films yes very much so yeah you know that the, the effects are well crafted there there's always something that you recognize but there's always slightly there's always something slightly off yes you know, and I think in the, this one, in the second one, I think the, the, the slightly off moment is like the introduction of the supernatural elements. Yes. Now, some people didn't quite like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel about those introdu- that, that, that sort of introduction? Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do with um, if you're not going to introduce anything like that. And it then it just ends up being a straight serial killer thing. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love serial killer stuff or anything that hasn't got, you know, like um, the Saw franchise, for example. That's mm. all obviously a person doing stuff to people. And I absolutely love it or Hostel or anything like that. But um, to, to we all he died. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was the only way he was ever going to come back was to make it supernatural. And it's not like it's massively, massively, massively. It's more like like with the like with your Michaels and Jasons and stuff insofar that, yes, they have to be supernatural because otherwise they would have died in the first one kind of thing. It's just that being able yeah. to um, to bring them back and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but Damien's also very um, he's playing a lot with the whole heaven and hell. And there's a lot of religious um, icon stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Sienna and all of that kind of stuff, even like this, because one of the um, he was heavily criticized in two different ways uh, for the shower scene with Sienna. So some people criticized saying, why do we, we know that she's in high school, therefore she's a minor. It doesn't matter that she's like 25 in real life. It's like she's clearly 17, 18. We didn't need to see her in the shower. Well, you didn't see anything, you know, there's no. And then, of course, you had the people saying, well, if she's in the shower and, you know, she's quite um, well endowed. Why didn't we get to see that? Because we like our horror with some boobies in it. Go. <laughs> She can't bloody win. And well, some people yeah. being like, but no, we didn't want to see that because of her age. Thank you. You know, but what he suggested was it wasn't anything to do with her being nude and being in the shower. It was like a cleansing and all of that kind of stuff. It's all very symbolic and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. But it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, he does play very, very much with binary opposites in the film. Yes. And what I'm talking about in terms of the binary of binary opposites, for anybody you know, was not quite sure what I'm rabbited on about now, is the idea of good versus evil. Yes, exactly. And essentially, yep. what we've got here is, um, you've got sort of Sienna is essentially, she is almost like an angel and yes. artist demon. That's so you have an angel versus demon, even down to her costume. Yes. It's very deliberate. Yep. It's very, very archangel, very sort of Catholicism, Mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, sort of people said, you know, oh, she's a Valkyrie and those kind of things. Well, actually, I think she's probably more um, archangel Mm. than Valkyrie. Yeah. Um, But also she kind of as the film goes on, she becomes the flip side of the same coin. Yes. To art. Yes. Um. Because as the film goes on, her pain tolerance goes up. Mm-hmm. 
she almost becomes supernatural in so many ways. She sort of, yeah. you know, the, when she fought, I did uh, one of the, I think one of the true moments in this where I did go, oh, that's good. Where she falls and she's impaled on the spike. Yeah. <laughs> that was a moment where it was like, oh, yeah. I kind of, oh, I really feel that moment. But she revives from that. And then where yeah. she's almost drowned, she yeah. comes back from that. So, you know, she is she is almost like this sort of battle. She becomes this battle hardened archangel who comes yeah. back from the to make sure that, that that art is defeated. Yeah. Even though we know that he's coming back. Yeah. Um, I almost said bursts back onto the scene then. But that, that's just something, <laughs> that's just a ridiculous pun. Um, but again, you know, this, I think the only way that this could go, like you said, is this, is the introduction of the supernatural element. It's like, you know, by the time we get to, you know, Friday the 13th part three and, you know, mm-hmm. we, we start seeing the, you know, zombie Jason starting to appear later on as he comes, but those kind of, it is the only way that he could really yes. yep. get round those elements. That's it. But how did you feel about that? Were you okay with that or? Yeah. Very much so, because, um, like I say, it, it, although it is integral to the storyline, because you know now that no matter what you do, it, it makes him more scary because you know that you can't just take this guy down like you can anybody else. And that even if you've got the authorities there and whatnot, he's now indestructible kind of thing. And it's got yeah. to be. Um, there's only going to be is it going to be that sword is that going to be the only thing that can do something we still don't know there's still lots of Damien was very clever um, and he has said that he's already like Terrifier 3 is already planned out um, and there will either be Terrifier 3 part 1 and part 2 or Terrifier Mm. 3 Terrifier 4 there's enough to go on for quite some time and he already knows his end game he knows where it finishes which is a good thing Yes. Um, but he he left all these like um, breadcrumbs, all these trails for us and things, and a lot of it got answered. But there were still some really big things that didn't get answered. So he's left that in that really kind of clever cliffhanger that you kind of like. You want to know more? You're yes. not you're not pissed off and like oh didn't, why didn't we find that out? That's really fucking annoying. It's yes. kind of like oh we've got so much and now I can start doing all my theories and if I dare go onto Reddit I'm gonna fall down the rabbit hole of this yeah. this this and this but also i'm so excited and i can't wait to find out what's going to happen in the next one sort of thing so he's managed to balance it all perfectly and yeah would you there was just no way it couldn't have a supernatural element it just couldn't not have it so anybody that's moaning about it just no (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) now we've talked obviously you know about about the gore about everything else but actually, there is, like I said, there's some really, really good performances in it. OK, and I think um, I, you know, we've already said about sort of uh, Lauren Lavera as, you know, as Sienna is fantastic. Um, I think uh, Emily McLean as the little pale girl. There is something deeply disturbing about that character. Oh, God, um, she's terrifying. Oh, she is. She's absolutely terrifying. And even <laughs> Jericho, when he pops up, um, you know. It gives a good performance. And of yep. course, you know, we've said about David Howard Thornton. Yep. Do you have a particularly p- favourite performance in this? I um, I always like 
teenage boy characters and I don't know why I don't know whether it takes me back to like watching it and all of those kind of things but I thought that um Elliot as Jonathan was just I thought he was brilliant and I loved the fact that obviously because it took them three years to make the film like from yes. start to finish I love the fact that you can almost see him growing <laughs> yeah and his voice obviously breaking a little bit because he was very young when he started um but not so much that it like fucks up the you know the um uh, what word am i looking for the continuity and yes, all of that kind of yeah. you know it doesn't it doesn't mess with it it's just it's it's really slight but it's actually quite sweet um i thought he was absolutely brilliant and he although i haven't met him sort of all of the interviews and things that i've seen with him he just seems like he's having such a good time all the time he's like he's like a really excited young man I mean, in terms of an experience yeah. from a teenage boy's point of view, yeah. just to be on that set. Yeah. <laughs> is just, it just must be in, you know, it must be like, you know, a kid in a candy shop, to, you know, because yeah. it is just. Yes. My God, you you know, the blood, the gore, you've got Chris Jericho for the WWE is over there. There's <laughs> Arthur Clown over here. I'm, yeah. you know, this so is just. However, physically as well. Yes. You know, this is not a cakewalk for him. No. You know, because he has an absolute paste in. Yes. Nobody comes out of this film unscathed. No. Unscathed at all. And I think his his before it's quite a to be the the younger brother character or the younger child character yes. in any horror film is really difficult. Yes. Because if you watch any Italian horror. All you want is the annoying child child character to be chopped up first, just so they shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, there are um, oh I want a full cheese. What oh it'll come to me. Any, but there are so many, and they have this, and they dubbed so badly. Yes. <laughs> so badly. <laughs> You know, but he pulls it off. He yes. really does pull he it does, off. And I mean, yeah. he's, you know, to be fair to him, he has got a, a feral career in him. You know, I mean, he's he's sort of, you know, he's been in the he was in the calling. Um, he's got, you know, the Terrifier 2. He was he's done lots of TV. You know, this he's he's a talented, talented actor. Yes, um, yeah, and he had some really emotional scenes as well, like obviously the yeah. death of his mum and all of that, you know, sort of like there was some real like heartbreaking moments with, you know, sort of like um, from the arguments that they had and when she slapped him and he was just like <gasps> kind of thing to obviously yeah. then finding the mum with her head blown off and all of that and then everything that he goes through with Sienna at the end and so yeah. it's like, you know, there was a, a lot for a young boy which is what he was obviously especially as he started to to portray and you know absolute kudos to to Elliot he is very talented and I believe he's like um a singer and like has his own like does he goes off and does like gigs and goes on tour and does all sorts of other bits and pieces as well so yeah he's got he's got a good career ahead of him yeah yeah and you know the other one is Sarah Voigt as the mother yes Um, she was great because you kind of like dislike her, but you mm. kind of sympathize where she's coming from. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, there is the classic trope of, no, I don't believe you. And then suddenly she finds out very, very quickly yeah. that they were telling the truth all along. <laughs> yeah. um, 
you know, there is that moment. The other great moment is Bar um, is Brooks uh, boyfriend who. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, he's left with the, with a little bit less of him he is, than he yeah. normally would. Um, <laughs> you know, and again, he sort of that character, all the characters walk a fine line between being sort of you can kind of like there's a bit of humanity about them. Yes. You don't just get that sort of like, oh, God, he's the, you know, the the dirtbag boyfriend of the yeah. of, of the. I think the most dislikable character in the whole thing is um, is Sienna's friend who, yeah. who spikes her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just takes no response. You just think you'd be so angry. Yeah. You'd definitely. be so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be so pissed off at that. Um but no, it it is a great film. It's very well balanced. The cast is very well, and the writing is very good. It is, yeah. The writing, because sometimes things can be you 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 get to certain you know so you watch certain genre pieces, and sometimes you know lines tend to go clang. Mhm. Whereas this there's there's a flow to it. Yeah. And again, he um that was one of obviously the criticisms of Terrifier One was that the writing was not as good as it could have been you know yes people's opinion i think but anyway yeah um and damien is one of these people that um it, it makes me shudder to think about it but he actually reads all of like the comments on things and reviews and stuff and takes it all to heart which is just as someone who has stuff out there for public to comment on makes me kind of shiver to be thinking of reading all of those stuff that people have to say about you because everyone loves to criticize but anyway oh yes yes he really took it to heart that people were saying about the writing wasn't as good as it could have been and that the characters were perhaps a little bit two-dimensional and he really worked on that and that was one of the big things that he wanted to make sure came across in Terrifier 2 that there was a specific storyline that was easy to follow um, and that the characters were very real but also that you could have enough to care about them and I think he just got it spot on just absolutely yeah absolutely I think I mean, I there's another. Have you seen Christmas Bloody Christmas? No, that's the new. Uh, that's the new. With, yeah. Yeah. The, with David Harbour, is it that one? Um. No, Jeff what? Daniel Phillips. Jeff oh, Daniel that, Phillips. The, are they robots? The robot one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's on Shudder, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it yet, but yeah. Now there is. It's 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 great. Mm. It is really really good. But the one thing that kind of I, I found quite difficult at times in it was the dialogue was so and it felt like somebody was just like writing how they thought young people of and I'm saying young people oh my god I'm so old um, <laughs> come on grandpa how how people of a certain age would yeah. speak yeah and it's quite jarring at times and i i really enjoyed christmas bloody christmas i thought it was fantastic i really enjoyed that film yep. but there were moments in that where you're just like oh it's kind of taking me out of that but i never got that with 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 terrifier 2 i, I didn't get that mm. um i think you get some more you like we said compared to the first one you get some more exposition yes which is nice because we are delving a little bit more into the background and we're learning more about our characters but he doesn't make the, the mistake of making art too likable and too human. Yes. 
that's it you know have to fear him he has to still be this horrific entity that we don't quite understand yes and it's the mystery behind him which makes it scarier because he doesn't have the um it doesn't have like your jaws or your predator or something where it's just you don't quite see it until the end you know who he is right away absolutely immediately this is what he is this is what he does so you still have to be able to have that kind of mystique about him is really quite clever and again i guess that helps with the not being able to speak because he's not going to be giving anything away it no, just adds no. to that kind of like who the hell is this guy yes yeah. and you know what, what what made him yep and even though we all want to know wouldn't would like to know what created him mm. i don't need to see that yes because the set well, is like like i said earlier about peeling peeling the, the curtain away and seeing the wizard yep. Yep. behind it you know just pulling buttons and things you know and i and and i think there is sometimes a this sort of like almost particularly with certain modern horror to kind of humanize the monster mm-hmm. and where we don't need that no. you know i don't we don't need need because actually we need to fear them yes not just think Oh, exactly. Exactly. That is actually uh, this is one of the tangents. Um, My massive, massive bugbear with things like that um, and why I love werewolves so much, because for the majority of the time, people do seem to have kept werewolves quite kind of like um, as they should be. This yes. terrifying creature that comes out once a month and that can't control its actions and just is a nasty, horrific killer that will stop at nothing. Whereas a lot of your other um, monsters out there, specifically vampires and that kind of stuff, has go- gone down this like romanticized. But he non- sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> exactly no fuck that i want to what i want see my vampires are 30 days of night that is yes terrifying it's the feral creature isn't it exactly i mean you know it, i mean okay you people will argue well well what about dracula dracula is a commentary on the foreigner coming over and stealing mm. our women and sleeping with our money but actually <laughs> as a horror fan we don't really need that i mean that is you know that is great and that is that that the classical story that classical gothic story and it works within that element within that but i don't need to know that you know this vampire was bullied in school and you know (laughs) the kids were really awful and they you know they switched his full block out to factor 15 one day whilst he was there and he shimmy and he shined all the way don't need to know that yeah. <laughs> you know, or I equally, I don't need to know. And I, and I say this on most episodes. I'm a Rob Zombie apologist. Right. <laughs> I don't need to know that Michael had an awful traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. Don't need to know that because yep. it doesn't add anything to the story. Yeah. It doesn't add anything to the story. It doesn't bring it. And, and, you know, we've got to be. And I, th- I think sometimes we are. We humanize the beast a little bit too much. Yes. Yeah. You know, so there we are. Rant over on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, moving forward. Yeah. Um, what are your hopes for the series? What What would you like to see from the series? I and I've been asked this question several times. And my honest answer is 
I don't know exactly what I want to see, but I completely trust Damien's vision. So, um, yeah. yes, I would like some kind of a resolution um, as, you know, if he's very, if he's adamant that he's going to end it in part, you know, Terrify 3, part 2, whatever, I would like there to be something that gets tied up all neatly with a bow right at the end of it. Um, but what I want that to be, I honestly don't know because I have no idea where he's going. And yeah. I like that. I like that he's, I'm questioning, well, what is he going to, what can he possibly do? But not in that, what can he possibly do now kind of thing? Not, you know, in that kind of way. And so oh, when we get to like, so excited. What is terrify your part eight, terrify yeah. your in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I want to see. I want to see more of these amazing characters. I want to see more of this fantastic world. I want to see art get even more depraved. And but I trust Damien knows what he's doing with everything yes. that's going on. So yeah. Yes. And of course, I mean he's he's talked about his admiration for the character of Sienna and how yes. he's been trying to get that character to page. Yeah. Um and it's always interesting, isn't it, where you write a character and you really like that character. Yeah. You really like that character and you want you yes. want to do you want to find more ways to do it. That's right. Um, yeah. I've got one of my characters that I've kind of been working. I, I've written and I've, I really like that character. But equally, I'm kind of like stuck between I don't want to push it too far. Yeah. And sort of lose that 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 base of that character. That's the you know, the, the, the fine balance here. But I'm really excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Really, really excited. So as we've kind of start wrapping this up we do scores on the doors here at the undead wookie on a scale of one to ten where would you you know one being just awful ten being the highest where would you rate this one i'd give it a ten it would get a ten from me yeah yeah i do you know what i think is it a perfect film no is there a such thing as perfect film? Yes, it's The Exorcist, but we know that. We won't go into that right now. Dog soldiers, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just about to say that, just yeah. after that one. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I you know, for me, this is this this is like a this is a a nine point five, maybe a ten. Yeah. Um it is it's it it's the fact that uh, it's a sign of the respect that even sort of critics that wouldn't normally give this give a genre film like the terrifier or the terrifier to the time of day have yes um is a mark of just how good this film is yeah um and i watched it again uh before this and i got more out of it when i first watched it i was like oh you, you, you know what i i like i really like it it's it's but it's like an eight and then i watched it again and it was like Do you know what this is this really is like a 9.5 yeah. this is it's just so good yeah, such a good film. It is, and yeah. I, I'm sure if I watch it again, it'll be a ten. Yeah, guarantee, <laughs> guarantee. You know. Um. So before we wrap things up, where can the good people find you on the social media? Well, so long as uh, it doesn't get burnt down, Twitter is the best place <laughs> to find me lurking. <laughs> um, and I'm Janine Pipe 28 over there. I'm also Janine Pipe on Instagram, which I do. I'm trying to do a little bit more over there just in case Twitter just suddenly bang and it's gone. 
Um, but it's hard. Instagram's harder because you have to have a photograph to use for it. And it's like, yeah. oh, whereas with Twitter, I could just ramble and post any kind of crap. <laughs> so once again, uh, before we wrap, thank you so much for coming. Um, when and where will the good people be able to catch up with your with your your debut, your directorial debut effort? Where will we be able to find that? I know. So her is um, very, very nicely um, in post at the moment. Um, and so we are making our decisions as to what exactly we're going to do with it. And obviously, if it goes towards festivals and things like that, then we have to wait for whether it gets accepted to whether it can be shown. Um, it will end up on our YouTube channels at some point and I will definitely be blasting it everywhere. Um, and then the big thing, obviously, is that the Indiegogo is still running for footsteps at the moment as well. Um, and that we are hoping beyond hope, especially having Neil Marshall as an EP on that one, um, that we're going to get that into Fright Fest. That is what we want for 2024. Amazing. So fingers crossed. So guys, get yourselves over to Indiegogo. There's some fantastic stuff going on over there. Some yeah. fantastic stuff. So get yourselves over there. Janine, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for taking the time for being on. And fingers crossed we'll be able to get you back for the Dog Soldiers episode. Oh, definitely. Anytime. Thank you very much as well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Bye. As always, I want to say a huge thank you to my special guest, Janine, for being on. And fingers crossed we'll get her on soon and maybe we'll be able to talk dog soldiers, which would be awesome. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for What the Wookiee Watched. And up first, we have got Aftermath from 1982. Let's check out the trailer. Thank you. 
indulge in revenge, don't you? Okay, that was the trailer for The Aftermath from 1982. The story behind this one is two astronauts return to Earth to find that it has been destroyed by a nuclear war. LA has been taken over by Cutter and his gang of outlaw bikers. Of course, they had to be outlaw bikers, didn't they, after a nuclear war? Cutter rapes and pillages, and uh, there are also mutants thrown in. And um, Steve Barkett uh, wrote and directed this one. He, he is also our star of the movie. Um, so, like I said, it stars Steve Barkett as Newman, um, uh, Lynn uh, Margellis as Sarah, the legendary Sid Haig as Cutter. Uh, Christopher Barkett as Chris, Alfie Martin as Getman, Forrest J. Aikerman pops up. Now, Forrest J. Aikerman, uh, of course, is the man behind Famous Monsters magazine and a legendary movie memorabilia collector. Um, so it was fantastic to see him on there. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Danforth pops up as Astronaut Williams and Linda Stigler as Helen. Now, i got to be honest with you, I cannot recommend this one high enough it is so much fun interestingly enough it did end up on the section three video nasty's list for a little while um and you can keep kind of see why um it would have irked uh the oppressors over at the uh, bbfc because it is gory there is some sexual violence in this one um which obviously pushes all the buttons for them um you know, this is true science fiction, post-apocalyptic exploitation. Um, it's gory, it's cheesy, it is very, very entertaining. Um, it was made over the course of three years um, for a budget of about 250000 Um And out, uh, there are times where the budget does kind of sort of um, outstrip the film's ambition. However... The matte painting work in this uh, is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, Sid Haig is in fine form as uh, the ruthless cutter, um, the leader of his band of road warriors. Um, it's it, Honestly, this is so much fun. Um, you can find it on Amazon Prime. You can also find it on the U of the Tube as well. Um, and I would give this one a 7.5 out of 10. Okay, up next we have got Blood Red Sky from 2021. Let's check out the trailer. Mama! Mama! Oh, da bist du ja. Ist das ihr? Ich habe ein Rezept dafür. Deine Mutter immer noch nicht da? Sie nimmt gerade ihre Medizin. 
Dadurch produziert der Körper neues, gesundes Blut. Aber in Amerika gibt es einen Arzt, der kann sie wieder gesund machen. Was ist denn los? Ladies and gentlemen. As you can see, we have control of the plane. We want this operation of ours to go off without a hitch. If not, use your imaginations. Okay, that was the trailer for Blood Red Sky from 2021. Um, this is essentially a interesting take on the vampire story. Um, a woman with a mysterious illness is forced into action when a group of terrorists attempt to hijack a transatlantic overnight flight. And she uses all of her vampire prowess to uh, protect her son. Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, it was directed by Peter Thorworth. Um, who was one of the writers on one of my favourite German films called The Wave. Really, really interesting piece there. Um, the cast stars uh, Perry Baumeister, uh, Baumeister sorry, as uh, Nadja, uh, Alexander Scheer as Eight Ball, Katie Setti as Farad, uh, or Kais Setti, sorry, not Katie. Sorry, buddy. Um, Karl Koch as Elias, Gordon Brown as Bill Morris, Roland Muller as Karl, um, also, Dominic Purcell uh, plays the big bad uh, leader of the terrorists, of course, uh, him of Prison Break, break fame. Um, this is a German-US production. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag, actually. Um, really, really interesting story. Um, story's excellent, in fact. Um, the direction is strong. Uh, Perry Baumeister's performance is absolutely brilliant. She is, She's excellent in this film. However, it's got a runtime of nearly two hours and the story really does take a big dip in the middle of it and the film never quite gets going again. It's all a little bit too serious, a little bit po-faced at times. Um, but it's a really nice take on the vampire. It did feel um, the vampire um, in this, I won't give too much away, um, does feel a little bit like it belongs, um, and the vampires that will pop up also belong like they uh, they should be part of like um, the Guillermo del Toro series. Um, oh, what 
what's it called? Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm blanking on this when I was just talking about it this morning to my wife. Um, <laughs> I can't believe my, my mind's... Anyway, they're quite feral kind of vampires. Um, the Strain, The Strain, that's it, got it, finally. Uh, um, but they have that kind of sort of feral kind of look about them. They don't have the long tongue or anything else. Um, but there's, there's some really interesting makeup in here. But like I said, a two hours could have really done with some significant trimming down to keep it moving along. Um, like I said, a little bit too po-faced at times. So it's a six out of ten for me. And you can find this bad boy over on uh, Netflix. Now, up next, we have got the trailer for Spiral the from the book of Saw from 2021. Let's check out the trailer. <laughs> Detective Banks, do you know where your officers are? Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw killer was dead. He is. Hours, not days. How can I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can bus! You can't do this alone. Whoever did this has another motive. Something personal. When was the last time you saw your father? Jigsaw copycat. This is gonna go sideways fast. I'm a nuts man like a spiral. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. Spiral, 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 spiral. I need everyone on this case. He could be anywhere. He could be anyone. We're gonna tear this city apart. I'm a nuts man like a spiral. Hello, Detective Banks. When was the last time you saw your father? Okay, that was the trailer for Spiral from the Book of Saw from 2021. And this one is a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral. A terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw, uh, directed by Darren Lynn uh, Bozeman. It stars Chris Rock as Detective uh, Zeke Banks, Max Milligan as Detective Willem Schneck, Samuel L. Jo uh, Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson pops up as Marcus Banks. Um, and this is very, very much uh, same old, same old, really. Um, 
it's another installment in the Saw franchise. It also what's interesting, I think, is it sort of marks the return of Chris Rock to more serious uh, and more dramatic roles, um, and he can do it. I mean, people forget that you know uh, he played Pookie in. Um, New Jack City, uh, a crack addict, and there were some really, really heavy moments in that. And he was really, really good there. So he can he can pull off the dramatic. Um, do we get anything new in this one? No, not really. Um, which is absolutely fine, because if you're a fan of the Saw franchise, happy days, your quid's in. Spiral looks nice. It delivers some wonderful, gory moments. Uh, overall, it's very, very entertaining. But it is pretty much another Saw film. Yes, the cast is slightly different. Yes, Jigsaw um, is gone. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is clearly there just for a payday. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, and fair enough to him. If they're offering you a, a truckload of money, show up and do it. It does feel a little bit of a wasted opportunity. That being said, it's a Saw movie, it delivers thrills, spills, and um, for an hour, you know, an hour and 30 minutes, it zips along, and it's highly entertaining. I really enjoyed this one. There are some great sort of gory moments in it. Um, so, yeah, this this one is about a 6 out of 10. Uh, don't expect anything new, but just enjoy it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, our time is very much at an end. So first of all, I want to say a huge thank you to Janine for being on. It was fabulous catching up with you and, and chatting away. And I hope to have you back on soon. Um, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can find The Undead Wookiee over on Twitter and on Instagram. Just look up The Undead Wookiee. Um, you can check out our Facebook page. Um, I said a, a couple episodes ago about keeping an eye out on the YouTube page because uh, we're going to be releasing one of the short films that I shot last year. That's going to be coming pretty soon. I'm just tinkering with a few bits and pieces on there. So keep your eye out. Don't forget, drop me a message because, um, uh, you know, I'll chat to anyone. <laughs> so that is all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula. Good night out there, whatever you are. Thank you.